upcoming events. He confirms and stresses that no decisions have yet been made about the 2022 location other than that it will be in Colorado. George explains that scouting of potential sites takes place on a continual basis. We know that we're a large group, so areas that work for our needs, such as parking, water, camping, are generally areas that are already permitted, already have an impact use, and have historically been used by other large groups, such as large hunting camps or grazing or logging activities. Sites that are vulnerable or problematic don't meet our needs. Burn scars and rehabbing burn scars don't meet our needs, George assures. The strawberry site, being a sensitive area, would negate its consideration. And Muddy George understands well the community's concerns about fire. He lost his own home to a Colorado wildfire in 2002. Yet he continues to return to the gathering, seeing firsthand the work done being, being done to mitigate not just fire, but violence, long-term environmental damage, and waste accumulation. As for Grand County safety officials, they are already in discussion about resource needs should the Rainbow Group decide to return to the area. We are aware of the likelihood of the 2022 World Rainbow Family Gathering happening in Colorado and the possibility it could take place in Grant County, says Grand County Sheriff Brett Schrotlin. While it is too early to know with any certainty, it is our understanding that historically the location of the gathering is not determined until after their spring council in June. We are engaged in preliminary discussions with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community. And Regin Cloudman, Public Information Officer for the Arapaho National Forest, affirms that same message. We know the community is still recovering from the 2020 fires and the pandemic on top of that. Here, we have the advantage of knowing this event may occur, giving us time to prepare for it, and allowing us to plan for a significant number of additional resources to support safely and environmental efforts. More details of how a coordinated response to a planned Grand County Rainbow Family Gathering would work, and who would be involved in what capacities, is expected in the coming weeks. The U.S. Forest Service will be communicating that information as it is determined. Thousands from Rainbow Family Sect plan to descend on Colorado this summer, making law enforcement nervous, like the Burning Man Festival, but weirder, reports indicate, by Conrad Swanson from the Denver Post, March 31st, 2022. The 50th anniversary of the Rainbow Family of Living Light's first gathering in Colorado comes this summer, and the group, a sect of hippies that say they stand for peace and love, appear likely to return to its roots. Sheriff's departments in Grand and Jackson counties, alongside U.S. Forest Service officials, confirmed that the Rainbow Family appears poised for a month-long gathering in Colorado this summer. Rainbow Families can bring thousands of people together for what Vice reported amounts to a weird version of Burning Man, mixing bikers, Jesus freaks, computer programmers, naked yogis, and gutter punks looking to escape the thralls of everyday life. In Colorado, past gatherings led to an uptick in trespassing and illegal camping charges after seven members told police that they took psychedelic drugs before climbing atop Boulder Public Library's roof, the Daily Camera reported. The group gathers each year for about a week, but this year, marking their 50th anniversary, they're expected to stick around for longer. Flyers posted around Jackson County said they'd gather from June 28th to July 28th, said Sheriff Jared Poley, likely near the Granby area. Precisely where they'll gather and how many people might come remains unclear, Poli said. 
It really concerns me that it's for a full month. There's not a real good way to prepare for it, Poli said. In the past, we've seen issues come out of it like thefts, vandalism, abandonment of trash, animals on Forest Service property. Forest Service spokesman, spokeswoman Reed Armstrong said the agency is aware of the possible gathering, but that, that it's neither permitted nor sanctioned. Groups larger than 75 people require a special use permit, and the Rainbow family has consistently refused to abide by those requirements, she said. We want to assure the community that we are working with our partners and cooperators to prepare for the possibility of a large extended gathering in Colorado, Armstrong said. Serena Roxund, a district wildlife manager with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, said the state agency is also aware of the possible gathering, but without more details, can do little to prepare. The group tends to gather on federal lands, she says, so the state agency would likely have little involvement. While reports of Rainbow Family gatherings are often paired with drug use and sometimes sexual assault, Rolling Stone reported in 1993 they've also been described as a band of misfits taking solace within the larger group. For their 2019 gathering in New Mexico, Forest Service representatives noted that they're fairly cooperative with rules meant to protect water and culturally significant sites, the New Mexican reported. For that meeting, they brought propane tanks to abide by fire bans and promised to clean up whatever trash they left behind. Criminal charges can often stem from these meetings, but prosecutors have also dropped many of these charges. The Rainbow Family has no designated leadership and members and take pride in their holistic and communal system, online blogs and profiles show. The group's first meeting was in the Strawberry Lake area east of Granby in 1972. Rainbow Gathering could bring thousands to fragile Colorado backcountry sparking outrage by Spencer McKee, Denver Gazette, March 31st, 2022. In 2006, an estimated 15,000 members of the Rainbow Family Group, often described as hippies and as part of a non-organization, took over a large swath of land in Colorado's Route National Forest during an illegal gathering. The same group may be coming back to the Centennial State this summer. While the annual gatherings of the Rainbow Family of the Living Light are described by some as a celebration of nature and life, others find issue with the massive crowds that the events bring to public land for extended periods of time. Not only can Rainbow Family gatherings cost the Forest Service hundreds of thousands of dollars each year, major concerns also exist regarding the environmental impact of long-term forest use by such a gr large group. In 2006, the National Forest Service had denied the group two permit applications for their Steamboat Springs area gathering, one permit that contained profanity and a second that was denied due to fire safety concerns. The group gathered anyway, citing that a permit requirement violated the constitutional freedom of assembly. In a matter of days, hundreds of violation notices had been issued by Forest Service officers for a range of offenses, including illegal occupancy and use of a national forest and drug-related offenses. This year, plans circulating the Internet seemed to point to Colorado as the destination for the annual summer gathering once again. Two different, presumably related Facebook groups reference Colorado. The first is 2022 Colorado 50th Annual Rainbow Gathering, a group with 1,700 members that has been used to promote events in other states in the past. The second is Rainbow Gathering Vision 2022 Colorado, which implies a destination of Table Mountain, Golden Area, or Strawberry Lake, Granby Area, where the first, where the first intentional group gathering took place in 1972. 
A plan to hold the festival in Colorado is also mentioned in a report from the Grand Gazette, with someone involved in the location selection process stating that the 2022 event will happen in Colorado, but that the exact spot is to be determined. He also notes that the Strawberry Lake site would be likely deemed too vulnerable by the group, possibly due to recent fire activity in the area. While members of the group believe their gathering is well-intentioned, rumors of the group's return to Colorado has drawn criticism online. On the popular forum-based website Reddit, members of a Denver-centric message board with 282,000 members have shown a strong negative reaction, also encouraging the public to contact officials at local National Forest Office about the supposed event. Outrage and concern focuses mostly on damage done to natural spaces by the event in the past, including the creation of informal trails, excessive human and animal waste left in centralized spots, and the stripping of tree branches for burning. Worry that the event could attract criminals has also been expressed. There are obvious environmental concerns that come with any long-term occupation of a space, especially by a large group. Generally, these events are billed as taking place through the first week of July, though many participants can get there early and stay for much longer, with some sources stating that the event can last an entire month. Last year, the Rainbow Gathering event took place in Carson National Forest, New Mexico, near Taos. An Associated Press report on the event noted that Forest Service officials have said that recent gatherings have had little impact on water, erosion, and other areas of concern. The Forest Service is preparing for thousands of people to come and camp en masse in one of Colorado's forests this summer. Online rumors are swirling that our state is the destination for the 50th Rainbow Family Gathering. The group describes themselves as a, a loose-knit organization that operates without leadership. Their events, earthy functions, draw in thousands of people. Facebook groups, presumably associated with the group, have hinted that Table Mountain in Golden or Strawberry Lake in Granby could be this year's destination. A group that large, camped out in the forest for a long period of time, obviously creates an added wildfire risk. The Forest Service says, if necessary, they'll bring in a significant number of resources to reduce the impact on nearby towns as well as the public land. Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Friday, April 1st. Today, the Rainbow Gathering is returning to Colorado after 16 years for its 50th anniversary. But it's a mystery of where this weeks-long confab will take place and when. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. The discovery of gold in the Colorado Territory in the 1850s launched a second gold rush that led to a stampede of people looking to find fame and fortune. Regionally mined ore was often called Pikes Peak Gold, and the dust and ore brought into town wasn't easily spent on its own. Groups like the Clark Gruber & Company opened up a private mint to turn that dust into coins that could be more easily traded for goods and services. On July 25, 1860, the group opened up shop in a two-story brick building on the corner of Market and 16th Streets in Denver, minting $10 gold pieces at the rate of 15 or 20 coins a minute. The coin featured Pikes Peak surrounded by a forest of timber. In three years of operation, they minted $594,305 worth of coins. They were so successful that the U.S. Treasury purchased the business in April 1863. This operation would eventually become the Denver Mint and is the single largest producer of coins in the world. Next, our feature story. 
The first time the Rainbow Gathering got together was in 1972, and that happened to be in Grand County. The last time they met in Colorado was in 2006, when 10,000 people camped out on public lands in Route National Forest. This unofficial organization has no official leaders nor an official website. But through word of modern mouth like Reddit forums, this group of hippie campers appear to be headed to Colorado to celebrate their 50th anniversary this summer. There is cause for concern, though, about the impact of such a large group on federal lands. But as Jason Blevins reports, one upside so far is the Forest Service knows it's coming. Tamara Chung talks to Jason in today's podcast. Hi, Jason. How are you hey. today? Very well. How are you, Tamara? I'm good. Thanks for talking to us about the Rainbow Gathering. So this is new to me. I'm not from here, and I have no idea what this is. Can you tell our audience what what exactly is the Rainbow Gathering? Well, for 50 years, this group has been uh, holding sort of, they call it impromptu uh, gatherings on public land, forest service land usually, um, around the country, different states all over. And uh, they just kind of started to hint this week that they plan to come back to Colorado for their 50th anniversary. The first ever rainbow gathering was uh, on public land near Granby in 1972. So 50 years, so it sounds like they're going to be somewhere here in Colorado. But um, who who are these people? Like, you know, I mean... I have no idea. I think your story mentions they're hippie campers, but do you know who, who are they? What do they represent? Uh, they started in, I think, around Eugene, Medford, Oregon, and in the, in the early 70s. And they, uh, you know, they're peace, harmony, love folks. Um, they have no structure. There is no leadership. There's no headquarters. There's no people in charge, everybody that attends this event is uh, treated as an equal, I guess. And they um, they just sort of come together and have, have this big sort of prayer circle-ish type event on July 4th. And that's sort of their trademark, uh, you know, pinnacle apex of the of their gathering. Sometimes folks are there for a month or longer. Um, the event technically lasts about a week. Um, we're not quite sure where they're going to end up in Colorado. Um, you know, this is since they have no formal structure, um, it's all just kind of online chatter, you know, and there's some websites out there that say, you know, get ready for the 50th anniversary in Colorado. And people in Grand County and the Arapaho National Forest seem to think that they will be returning to the Arapaho um, uh, for their 50th sometime in July this year. Could be okay. as many as 30,000 people. They usually draw about. 10 to 15,000 people for, for these events. So so it's funny that you mentioned there's no official leaders, there's no official website, but it sounds like they get their message out to one another online. And there was even a forum on Reddit that they've closed outsiders. So it sounds like there's some maybe criticism here or so what's happening there. Well, yeah, we, we were kind of watching it yesterday when they kind of announced that it would be coming on. So we were on this the subreddit and i guess the reddit people don't much care for that but it's uh they were you know chattering and as you can imagine there were more than a few commenters from colorado who were um let's say less than enthusiastic and unwelcoming <laughs> to uh <laughs> the idea of 
you know, 10,000 people gathering in a national forest for a, a week-long party. So I, they shut that down today. You can't actually see what they're talking about in there. Um, so that's kind of uh, been a little shift. But I, I think back in the day, they used to have a phone number that you would call, and they and then, you know, they would have sort of regional gatherings. So it was word of mouth, and it was probably mailings and signs up and, you know, hippie communes or who knew how they did it pre-internet but now you know just like any kind of online community they're pretty loosely based and there's no one really to uh to to organize you know this these events but what's interesting is the forest service actually has a national incident management team that follows this group around every year you know it's 40 something forest service law enforcement personnel who uh go to all these events, track them, attend each one, you know, write some tickets and kind of just loosely police, you know, they, they obviously can't write 10,000 tickets and they're obviously not going to arrest 10,000 people. So it, it makes it kind of a challenge on their front. And that, you know, that they, their, their point is that they should be able to have the right to assemble on public lands at any time. Uh, Forest Service obviously has rules about public gatherings and they want you to get a permit and, um, since there is no rainbow family boss, then there's nobody to actually sign for a permit or apply for a permit. So kind of an interesting dynamic in terms of this relationship. And it's largely antagonistic between the rainbow family and the forest service, obviously. Um, but there's, you know, they have as many as 500 people after each event that kind of stick around and fill in their, you know, pit toilet, latrine sort of stuff and replant grasses and do all this stuff they have medical care they have uh you know different a whole bunch of different camps divided across the you know as many you know two thousand three thousand acres of public land out in the middle of forest and as you can imagine some concerns in colorado are largely focused around wildfire um you know there's just a lot of valid concern over 20,000 plus people camping in the middle of the woods and what, how that might, I don't know, spark a wildfire. Yeah. So, so it sounds like they clean up after themselves and they, they may also be concerned with the environment as well. Um, but the wildfire is an issue because that's something, you know, wildfires are obviously wildfires because they're kind of out of our control. Sure. So. And I went to like, you know, the Denver library and had them, pull up some, you know, 1972 Denver Post articles, Rocky Mountain News articles, um, and 1992 articles, and I got a report from the Forest Service in 1992, and they you know, they, a lot of the response from Forest Service officials are, wow, this wasn't as bad as we thought it was. Um, you know, they, they did a decent job of cleaning up, you know, it's going to take up whatever, a season or two of growing in the, in the meadows to kind of repair damaged grasses or, or things like that, but largely it's, they don't seem to have too much, uh, you know, they don't seem to have as much of an impact as you would expect if 10,000 people just randomly gathered in the woods for a week-long party, but they're, gosh, we've really changed a lot since 1972, 1992, and even 2006. There's a lot more people in this state, and there's a lot more concerns in these smaller rural communities over, you know, camping. We're writing almost every week about new reservation systems and ways that local communities are cracking down on, on, you know, sort of random camping and free for all camping around their towns out of a rational fear of wildfire and people not controlling their campfires and that causing, you know, 
some significant impacts to natural resources. So we're in we're in a different time, but then you know, I guess you could say we've been in a different time forever. <laughs> and no community has ever, you know, stood up and celebrated the arrival of the Rainbow family. It's not like they're courted and and you know, ex- people get excited when they come and move into the national forest, you know, on the edge of town, hardly, uh, hardly cause for celebration, but, um, talk to folks in Grand County and Arapaho national forest and they're on alert and they're paying attention. Apparently the rainbow folks send like a scouting party that'll come out and kind of identify a, a final area. Um, they like open meadows, they need a water source. So they find this no spot and then they, you know, that's where they're going to gather and, no one has really been able to stop them from gathering for 50 years. So it's pretty much once they decide where they're going to be, that's it all becomes about managing impacts and, and you know making sure that community resources, natural resources are somewhat protected. How soon do you think folks will know when this is happening and where it's going to be? Um, reading some of the earlier reports, like in... 92 and 2006 at the last time they were in Colorado uh, officials seem to know as late as early June so barely a month ahead of time um, you know kind of the exact location is has been noted um, it's interesting I found some old documents from, from on a website that they have that uh, from a scouting report when they were trying to figure out where in Colorado they wanted to go and they ended up in Route County um, in 2006 uh, in the Route National Forest um, but they also looked at Grand County and the Arapahoe and identified a number of spots. So there's some spots, you know, Ute Park and Buffalo Park out, out by uh, Kremling. And um, there's some different locations that they've identified in Grand County before. So I wouldn't be surprised if they picked those as spots mm-hmm. that they'd return this summer. So it sounds like it's it actually could be kind of fun to uh, take a week off and uh, go camping in the National <laughs> Grounds, but um, so can anyone join this rainbow family? Yeah, they're open all. It's all about peace, love, <laughs> harmony, respect for nature, that kind of stuff. Good old hippie mentality. Um, I don't know about a good time though. If I go camping, <laughs> I kind of don't want to be around ten thousand people. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, Jason, for looking into this. It's it's an interesting, strange story that has popped up this week. So guess we'll find out more once the event actually uh comes to be so yeah definitely stay tuned okay well thanks again jason and if you if listeners want to catch a story online it's good please go to coloradosun.com thanks finally here are a few stories that you should know about today 30,000 expected at Rainbow Gathering's 50th anniversary in Colorado, sparking wildfire concerns. Arapaho National Forest and Grand County officials suspect the annual Rainbow Gathering of the tribes could draw tens of thousands to remote federal land, sparking concerns about wildfire and impacts. By Jason Blevins with the Colorado Sun, April 1, 2022. The Rainbow Gathering of the Tribes plans to return to Colorado this summer to celebrate its 50th anniversary. The weeks-long confab that draws tens of thousands of hippie campers to public lands announced this week that the national gathering of possibly 30,000 would be returning to Colorado. 
The group's national bacchanal was last in Colorado in 2006 with about 10,000 people camping on Forest Service land in North Route County outside Steamboat Springs. Before that, there were 19,000 strong outside Paonia in 1992. The first national gathering was near Granby in 1972. The Rainbow Gathering has not yet said where in Colorado they plan to land for the late June, early July festival. But in fire-fearing mountain communities already cracking down on camping in crowds, opposition to the event is mounting with a focus on how tens of thousands of people camping together in the woods could spark a wildfire. This post on Reddit, Take Action Against the Rainbow Gathering, spurred 670-plus comments in less than 24 hours. You can guess the tone of those comments. There are no leaders of the Rainbow family. They don't have an HQ or even a formal website. No one to call and ask questions. Today's Rainbow is as loose as any other internet-connected community. They call themselves the largest non-organization of non-members in the world. And they closed their Reddit forum to outsiders on Thursday as hundreds of commenters piled on with less than enthusiastic responses to the 50th annual gathering in Colorado. Many of the group's websites crashed Thursday as news spread of the Colorado events. The loose structure makes it hard for federal land managers and local communities to address impacts and plan for the pending party of hippies. The Forest Service, citing online chatter and posts, suspects the group could be planning to gather in Grand County in June and July. The original 1972 gathering occurred up there, so I think there is some potential desire to come back to Grand County for their 50th, said Reed Armstrong with the Arapaho and Roosevelt National Forests. Without a leadership structure, the Forest Service has not been able to enforce its rules requiring a permit for gatherings of more than 75 people on public land. The agency typically writes tickets for illegal camping during big rainbow rallies, but obviously rangers don't pen 10,000-plus citations at every gathering. The Rainbow Group has, since the 1970s, argued that it has a right to assemble on public lands. The National Forest has a national incident team that follows the Rainbow family's annual gatherings, which typically peak over the July 4th holiday. Last year's gathering was in the Carson National Forest near Taos, New Mexico. That team, mostly Forest Service law enforcement officers, works with local communities and local police. While the specific location won't be known until the Rainbow family sends a scouting party to find a spot that provides open spaces near a water supply, the Forest Service and Grand County law enforcement are aware of the possible gathering. We bring, historically, a lot of resources to help protect the local community and help reduce the impact on the community and natural resources, Armstrong said. In 2006, a scouting report from the Rainbow Gathering explored possibly returning to Grand County and identified a handful of possible locations on Forest Service land, including Church Park, Red Dirt Reservoir, and Buffalo Park. One upside for the Rainbow Gathering impact, the Forest Service knows it's coming. Unlike major wildfires like Cameron Peak and East Troublesome, the two largest wildfires in Colorado history that raged through portions of the Arapaho National Forest in 2020. So we can plan for it and prepare for it, Armstrong said. The impacts, however, can be the same. Slightly different, but the extent of the natural resource impacts can be similar, which is why we bring in an incident management team. Two overdoses, three babies at 1992 gathering. The 2006 gathering in the Route National Forest's Big Red Park near Clark drew 10,000 to 15,000 campers. The Forest Service had 42 members of its National Incident Management Team watching the gathering and reported 218 citations in the weeks before the July 4th holiday peak.
By the end of the event, that number would top 500. Forest Service officials told the Denver Post they spent about $800,000 managing the event. The 1992 Rainbow Gathering on the Gunnison National Forest near Overland Reservoir above Paonia drew about 19,000 campers. The National Forest, which compiled a comprehensive report following the event, knew the exact location in early June and began working with about 500 Rainbow family members by the beginning of June. By July 1st, there were 4,000 cars parked in meadows around the reservoir. The 1992 gathering had medical facilities and 35 kitchens spread across about 2,500 acres for the gathering. Campers were dispersed into smaller camps aligned with different values. For example, there was a sister's camp, a fairy camp, a Krishna camp, and many camps for residents of specific areas. There's even an A camp for people who drink alcohol, which is discouraged by the Rainbow family. The report counted 310 traffic violations issued by the Forest Service, Delta County Sheriff's Office, and Colorado State Patrol. The report showed 43 arrests, mostly for traffic issues and drugs. Two people were found dead from a prescription drug overdose. The report showed three babies were born during the gathering. A combination of federal, state, and local agencies reported spending more than $573,000 to manage the event. The Forest Service reported about 500 members of the group remained after everyone left to fill in 200 trenches that had been used as toilets and to plant shrubs and grasses damaged during the gathering. The damage really is minimal and our assessment is no long-term or irreparable damage was done, Forest Service spokesman Matt Glasgow told the Rocky Mountain News after the event. The New York Times wrote about the first gathering near Strawberry Lake above Granby in July 1972. The event, which was on both private and Forest Service land, was billed as a religious festival and about 3,000 people walked more than seven miles up to the remote location. Colorado's Governor John Love promised to prevent the gathering, but the blockade collapsed as thousands of young people hiked across the mountains to get there, reads the article. Local lawmakers in Grand County hastily assembled rules around sanitation and large gatherings in hopes of blocking the event. A local judge ruled no more participants could climb to the remote parcel in late June, but was ignored. They'll have to carry us out, a determined young girl told a Denver Post reporter, and they won't have enough jails to put us all in. 2022 Rainbow Gathering Could Bring Destruction to Colorado's Forest by Kelsey Nistel, April 1st, 2022. K99. Colorado serves as the hub for many different unique festivals and gatherings, ranging in diversity from themes like multi-day music fests to renaissance fairs and even cannabis celebrations. While most of these large gatherings are good for Colorado's economy and tourism, one that's currently planned for this summer has residents feeling a very opposite way. The 2022 Rainbow Gathering is expected to take place in Colorado and is predicted to bring approximately 30,000 people to the Centennial State. The unorganized group gathering has been happening for 50 years and has occurred in Colorado before. Since it has taken place in Colorado previously, including in Route National Forest back in 2006, officials and law enforcement know what to expect, and it's not good. Participants set up camp on public land and the counterculture festival lasts for weeks, sometimes even up to a month long. In years past, the hippies who are a part of Rainbow Gathering have caused extreme damage to Colorado's backcountry and forest lands. This is ironic in that the gathering is aimed to celebrate nature and life, yet the massive crowds wind up leaving the land completely destroyed. Tree branches are broken and used for fires, plus rangers are left to clean up excessive amounts of human and animal waste once the gathering is over. 
Even when the group has been denied permits in Colorado due to environmental and safety concerns, they've gone forth with the gathering regardless. During their time in Route National Forest, the group tallied up hundreds of violation notices issued by Forest Service officers. Some of these included drug-related charges as well as illegal occupancy and use of a national forest. Although Colorado has been selected as the rumored location for the 2022 gathering, the exact location has yet to be revealed. Some Reddit threads are hinting it could possibly take place somewhere near Walden, Granby, or Golden, but those are just speculations. Another huge worry about the event taking place in the Centennial State is the risk of it poses for fire danger, especially in the backcountry or forest. Plus, in addition to having a negative impact on Colorado's important natural resources, residents are also concerned about the potential of criminals coming to the state. The Rainbow Gathering was held in Carson National Forest in New Mexico last year. Rainbow Family May Infiltrate Grand County This Summer by Tracy Ross, Sky High News, April 1st, 2022. Multiple Colorado newspapers are reporting on the possibility of the Rainbow Family, which bills itself as a loose-knit group without leadership or organization who gather on national forests to discuss political and environmental issues, pray for world peace, and celebrate life, holding its annual gathering in Grand County this summer. The Sky High News spoke with representatives from the Grand County Sheriff's Office, the Grand County Commissioners, and a local fire agency, and were told that, as the family doesn't choose its summer site until a council later in the spring, it is too early to know with any certainty where it will be held. The Sheriff's Office added that it is engaged in preliminary discussion with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community. One Sky High reporter attended the 2006 Rainbow Gathering in Route County and with on-the-ground experience has insights into how these events unfold. We will draw on these insights as we continue reporting on this developing story. In the meantime, we will report on facts in an effort to avoid spreading potentially undue stress in the Grand County community. The U.S. Forest Service is the lead agency in this matter as these events have historically taken place in its jurisdiction. In early March, the Forest Service released a statement saying that should the event take place, we will bring in a significant number of additional resources to assist with this event. As the Grand County community continues to recover from the devastating 2020 wildfires and the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, the advantage that we have is knowing about this potential event. This gives us ample time to work together to plan and prepare for it. With Rainbow Family Gathering 2022 potentially to be held in Colorado, Forest Service explains what they do to monitor. A location has not been confirmed, but rumors point to the gathering taking place in Grand County, both the Sheriff's Office and U.S. Forest Service acknowledge. Nine News by Louis de Leon, April 2nd, 2022. While it's not yet confirmed, rumors swirling around social media suggest the 50th anniversary of the Rainbow Family Gathering could take place in Colorado, and local and national office officials have taken notice. We are aware of the likelihood of the 2022 World Rainbow Family Gathering happening in Colorado and the possibility it could take place in Grant County, said Grant County Sheriff Brett Schrotlin in a statement. While it is too early to know with any certainty, it is our understanding that historically the location of the gathering is not determined till after their spring council in June. 
He adds that they're in preliminary discussions with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community, the statement read. The Forest Service actually has a specific incident management team to handle monitoring the events while partnering with local law enforcement wherever they take place. Nine News sat down with that team's public information officer to better understand their experience with the group's gatherings and what to expect if it indeed comes to Colorado. What is the Rainbow Family Gathering? Hillary Markin with the Forest Service has been with the National Rainbow Incident Management Team since 2019 and helps monitor the event with their safety plans. So they're a loose-knit group of people who typically gather on national forests to kind of pray for world peace, celebrate life, discuss political and environmental issues. That's kind of what our understanding is of the group, she said. Reportedly, locals near where the gatherings happen look down on the Rainbow Family Gathering participants because of the amount of time they spend on natural lands. The people within the group have been described as hippies, and hundreds of, violation, and hundreds of violation notices have reportedly been issued by local authorities. The first gathering took place in 1972 in Grand County, suggesting that for its 50th anniversary, the group would set up there again. In 2019, the gathering took place in northern Wisconsin, and there was a gathering in New Mexico in 2021. Come June, Markin said the group will hold its vision council where the location is usually announced. Uh, in recent years, the Forest Service expects anywhere between two and 10,000 people, but Markin says it depends on the location and how easy it is to access that location. We do have criteria that we typically look for when we're working with them. Most of those that have been there before are aware what we're looking for, and they ultimately, you know, they're by and large peaceful group. They want to learn about the local area and work with us to protect it, Markin said. However, a large gathering in a natural forest in Colorado comes with risks, Markin acknowledges. Risks. Typically, a group larger than 75 people would need a special use permit from the Forest Service. But because there's no governing body or a single leader for the gathering, Markin explained that it poses challenges. An organized group that has a leader, you know, then you come to the National Forest and apply for a special use permit, and then we work through the special use design criteria to see, is this event going to be permitted on the National Forest? What kind of stipulations will be put in place? And we issue you a special use permit if we can agree upon the different criteria that we're looking for, she explained. Instead, they treat the gathering as an incident. Just like we would for a fire or all other risk incidents, we bring in an incident management team that's familiar with how these work and really focus on protecting the natural resource and protecting the visitors that are on the National Forest, Markin said, acknowledging the environmental risks that come with a large gathering in the forest. Trees are always a big concern of where is all this waste going to go, and so we've got design criteria of how to deal with those waste. How far away from water sources, all of that, those specifics go in to try to protect the natural resources. And then we have our law enforcement officers and our resource protection folks out there making sure that they're complying with that design criteria, Markin explained. Like, what areas would we say no to if the Rainbow family would like to go to a certain area? There may be a protected area or wilderness or something like that, and we would restrict them from going there. Regarding wildfire concerns, Markin says they're usually prepared for a fire risk, and staff is heightened when there is a fire risk. Depending on what the fire danger level is, we have fire staff happening on the forest just naturally. That's an automatically occurring thing. But we know we have an incident happening. If we know that fire danger is higher, we will set up that staffing level so we're connected, she said.
Markin brought up an example from 2019 when her team explained to gathering goers about milkweed, an important plant to the monarch butterfly, and she recalled several members going around trying to protect those plants. When it comes to parking, Markin explained that the event turns into a sort of traffic operation. So that's a big thing when they do choose a location is thinking about parking and traffic flow for the incident. You know, if it's a one-way in and a one-way out situation, where is it safe for cars to park to maintain ingress and egress in and out of that location? So we put up no parking signs, so it becomes kind of a traffic management thing, she said, adding that they make sure a path for emergency vehicles is available. While the team has prepared year after year, they usually don't get much notice where exactly the gathering is planned. The guessing game. As officials keep a close eye as to where the event will be, Markin said it's usually pretty difficult to pinpoint in advance. And so it's really challenging to decipher what's real and what's not when you're reading the different sites and areas until they actually put out the, you know, this is where Vision Council decided on and here's where we're going to land. You don't get much information, she said. Markin shared a story of 20. 19, where they had established the incident management team at a spot they thought they would be, but were actually 50 miles away since the group had moved at the last second. And they chose a great spot where they ended up, but we were planning for them to be about 50 miles to the south originally, and then they came up north further, Markin said. Overall, Markin said a plan will be in place for when the group announces its location. We work with the forest where this incident is going to occur, and we put a resource protection plan in place as if it was a special use permit, she said. Let's start with this. Who is the Rainbow Family, and what's the big deal? So they are a loose-knit group of people um, who typically gather on national forests to kind of um, pray for world peace, celebrate life, um, discuss political and environmental issues. That's Hillary Markin is with the Forest Service's incident management team, specifically formed to follow them. They expect anywhere between two and 10,000 people to show up for the annual summer gathering. The last time they were in Colorado, 2006 in Route County. One of the few ways that people could keep up with the group was through a subreddit that's been set to private. But the Forest Service is preparing for it to possibly end up in Colorado once again, specifically Grand County, where the first ever gathering happened in 1972. For them, the exact location is sort of a guessing game every year. But it makes it really challenging for us to plan to work with them um, to get a resource protection plan on the ground. But when the plan is set, they always treat it as an incident. Just like we would a fire um, or other all-risk incident, um, we bring in an incident management team that's familiar with how these work and really focus on protecting the natural resources and protecting the visitors that are um, on the National Forest. A main concern is a bunch of people in one spot of the forest when Colorado's wildfire behavior has kicked up in recent years. If we know that fire danger is higher, we will up that staffing level. So we're connected. We call kind of resource protection officers out there on the ground that work with them. We try to educate them. Um, to, again, it's all about protecting the natural resources um, that they're utilizing for this gathering and leaving as minimal impact as possible. So it's the understanding of both the Forest Service and Grand County Sheriff that there's something called the Spring Vision Council that's held around in mid-June, and that's where exactly the location is announced for where the gathering will be. Officials keep a close eye on that, and then they deploy resources as soon as they know. Steve, they also treat this in part as a traffic operation, putting up no parking signs, among other things. Yeah, no parking for this. And at this point, Luis, they must know that law enforcement knows about this. They certainly do. Not a surprise anymore. It's what the Forest Service calls a non-sanctioned event. Basically, groups bigger than 75 people have to get a special use permit, but because there's no 
one single leader or really a governing body for this, it's hard for them to really plan or implement that, so they prepare for the gathering instead. It will be interesting to watch their response. Luis de Leon, thank you. The Rainbow Family Gatherings, they started in Colorado dozens of years ago. This year, it'll reportedly be back. And we spoke to an attendee who says that they're going, or they're planning rather, on having 80,000 people gather in one of our forest lands. Listen to what he had to say about what this event is all about. And we call ourselves a family, though we're not related by blood. We're, we're related by our common goal and our common interest in prayer for world peace because that is what the rainbow gathering is entirely centered around Harris show has been to rainbow family gatherings for 12 years now he along with thousands of others they typically gather for an entire week this year they plan to do that between july 1st and july 7th they say they haven't chosen the forest land they plan to gather in just yet but they have chosen our state and despite being an event focused on quote praying for world peace these gatherings they've been controversial in the past coloradans who've gotten word about the gathering being here say they worry about that wildfire danger even cleanliness but Parisho says these are concerns that are currently being worked out. We do a lot of liaison work with the National Forest Service, both with the law enforcement end and with the uh, the natural resource end to make sure that we're um, being careful of uh, sensitive environments in the area that we're going to be in, whether that be wildlife, uh, plant life, or uh, a, a fragile water source. So we reached out to the U.S. Forest Service. They heard about the gathering potentially being in Grand County and said in part, quote, this is not a permitted or sanctioned event. The Rainbow family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings. We want to assure the community that we are working with our partners and cooperators to prepare for the possibility of a large extended gathering in Colorado. And we also reached out to Grand County officials as well as state officials. Both say they are aware of the possibility of this event being in our state. They say they plan to ramp up these coordinated efforts with other agencies as we get closer to that expected gathering date, which again is in July. In Denver, I'm Veronica Acosta, September 7. The Economics of the Rainbow Family of Living Light by Patrick Brower for Sky High News, April 9th, 2022. There's a business angle to the imminent return of the Rainbow Family of Living Light to Grand County this summer. Press reports and hearsay are stating that the family is planning a 50-year reunion of its first gathering in Grand County, which took place in June and July of 1972. That gathering, which has also become known as the Strawberry Festival because much of it took place at Strawberry Bench, has achieved the status of near-mythical folklore among the legends of Grand County's past. And now the Rainbow family is coming back. As they say, past is prelude. The gathering was resonant all over the state and the region. Remember, 1972 was a year that some would say was the peak of the hippie era in America. Yes, the 60s are known for the, as the hippie decade, but it was the early 70s when hippiedom and all of its counterculture splendor really consumed the American consciousness. Based on the press reaction and coverage I've seen this week, it still consumes the American and regional consciousness. The Forest Service is worried about permitting, local government is worried about the big crowds if they even arrive in large numbers, and the world in general is freaked out, to coin a phrase from that era. This pre-event freakout isn't dissimilar to what happened here 50 years ago. 
The festival back then was billed as a gathering of peace where the event-goers would participate in a 4,000-year-old peace dance based on Native American traditions with the spirits of the dead all to be fulfilled at Lake Granby, coined as the center of the universe. A crowd would ohm in unison at the given sunrise moment and world peace would be enhanced. At least that was the idea. I get the impression that it was mostly a good-spirited and well-intentioned gathering that was all about peace, love, and understanding. But the fear and anxiety news of the gathering then provoked made it seem like Attila the Hun had announced an impending invasion of the county. Petitions were circulated, urging then-Governor John Love to stop the hippie picnic, the so-called Universal Life Church Meeting of Peace. People believed that 140,000 hippies would descend on the county. A total of 548 people signed the petition. The gathering was ultimately permitted, but with strict limitations on crowd sizes on public land and times of activities. If it wasn't for Granby, Granby local Paul Geisendorfer, who offered land his family owned in Granby and at Strawberry Bench, a private national forest in Holding owned by his family, for the longer gatherings and camping, the Strawberry Festival might have been a colossal flap. Flop. But it wasn't, and it's still talked about today, even without a reunion event. Good for business? Yes. Once again, Grand County's gotten lots of free publicity in regional and national news. You can't buy that kind of viral exposure. Will these hippies bring money to spend? Well, not all of them. But remember, the hippies of yesterday are in some cases the investment bankers, Silicon Valley millionaires, and top-level bureaucrats of today. They just might bring money, and they just might want to lease and use some of our abundant short-term rentals and condos. We know that not all these types will be rich, but they will come and enjoy our landscape, I hope in a non-impactful way. We'll see. Perhaps local merchants can come up with Rainbow Family and Strawberry Festival-themed merchandise. Tacky, I know, but it's one idea. And now I wonder about the infamous motorcycle gang riot and celebration that shut down Grand Lake for two days in early July of 1975. Will those gangs seeing the rainbows return come back to relive the crazy days of their youth? It might not be bad, because Harley-Davidson riders today are more likely to be orthodontists and business professionals than the rough-and-tumble gang members of yesteryear. Let's start planning now. Grand County Commissioners Release Statement on Rainbow Gathering Tracy Ross, Sky High News, April 13, 2022 the Grand County Board of County Commissioners sent a statement to the Sky High News upon request Wednesday, April 13th, that says the board has been made aware by the U.S. Forest Service that the 2022 Rainbow Family Gathering could occur in Grand County, that it will not make allowances for an unpermitted event on public land by the USFS, and that it does not support the gathering. In a phone call regarding the statement, District 2 Commissioner Merritt Linky said he had talked to some of the Forest Service high-ups and that they don't feel there is much support to oppose the gathering. He said that's because the Rainbows could go somewhere else to a more remote area that would have less backup than Grand County does. Kind of the consensus unofficially is that they're coming and we can do the best we can to prepare even though we won't know if they will come until the last minute, Linky added. But they're a very unstructured group with no legal status or organized structure. They're not an official church group, and they don't have any true leadership, so preparing in advance would be hard to do. When asked what the county will do to prepare should they learn definitively that the rainbows are coming, Linky said, 
A lot of it from the county side has to do with trying to get extra personnel and costs covered. The Rainbows are bad about paying bills like EMS response or hospitalization. We'll also need additional law enforcement services, which is money out of Grand County taxpayers' pockets. So we're trying to make sure the Forest Service will help us with some federal funding. And really, in terms of managing it, it's making sure we can call on our neighboring counties. There are lots of mutual aid agreements with sheriffs and municipal departments across the state, so that seems our best bet. Word circulating around the state is that the Rainbow family is coming to Grand County this summer to celebrate the 50th anniversary of its first gathering, which took place at Strawberry Lake. Historically, the family has waited until mid-June to send a scouting party to potential gathering sites. Linky said they can't legally hold a gathering on Strawberry Lake anymore because it's in a national recreation area which forbids such gatherings. The statement also said, We hear and share our community's concern about the potential for this highly concentrated and localized event on USFS lands. At the scale discussed by the USFS, if the gathering takes place here, it could bring additional wildfire risk to the community due to prolonged drought and the magnitude of fuels from beetle-killed trees, grasses, and undergrowth. Grand County has been significantly impacted by recent wildfires that burned more than 225,000 acres of our land, destroyed nearly 400 homes, and burned all four watershed basins. These burn areas are still in the early phases of recovery, with anticipated additional flood-after-fire threats this summer. Updates will follow as the BOCC learn more from the Forest Service, the statement said. How the U.S. Forest Service is preparing for the Rainbow Family's 50th anniversary festivities in Colorado. The federal agency launched an incident management team to deal with the potential conflict. By Sam Tabachnik, The Denver Post, April 18, 2022. Confused about the Rainbow Family and the group's possible 50th anniversary celebration in Colorado this summer? The U.S. Forest Service has you covered and is mobilizing a national incident management team to handle the potential festivities. Word has trickled out in recent weeks about the hippie group's possible month-long celebration in Colorado, prompting federal authorities to launch a website with all the vitals on the Rainbow Family of Living Light and their quirky festivities. The Forest Service also launched the Incident Management Team to work with the local community and law enforcement to protect the health and safety of everybody involved and to lessen environmental impacts to the site by providing information and enforcing laws. The group, whose members say they stand for peace and love, celebrated their inaugural festival in 1972 near Strawberry Lake outside Granby. Since that first gathering, the Rainbow family has come together annually on different national forest lands, with crowds ranging from 2,000 to 10,000 visitors. Vice once called the festivities a weird version of Burning Man, mixing bikers, Jesus freaks, computer programmers, naked yogis, and gutter punks, looking to escape the thralls of everyday life. Past gatherings in Colorado led to trespassing and illegal camping charges and reported drug use. The gathering usually coincides with the 4th of July, the Forest Service said, but the event's specific location and time frame is not typically revealed to the federal agency until mid-June, after the group's Spring Council. A final location for this year's celebration has not been set, the Forest Service said. The Rainbow Family Group consistently refused to comply with permitting laws for previous gatherings, according to the Forest Service. They claim to have no leaders and no one member of the family who can speak for the group to sign a permit on behalf of the family, the federal agency said on its website. 
The Forest Service put together a resource protection plan to ensure environmental damage is minimized and stipulates that the Rainbow family clean up the area after the festivities. But people can expect socially unacceptable behavior from some of the attendees, the Forest Service warned, including public nudity, civil disobedience, drug and alcohol abuse, and confrontations between rainbows and locals. Statement on the United States Forest Service webpage, 2022 Rainbow Family of Living Light National Gathering, as of April 19, 2022. The Rainbow Family of Living Light plans to hold its 50th anniversary gathering on a national forest this summer, possibly in Colorado. The Rainbow Family is a loose-knit group of people from throughout the United States and other countries who gather annually on a national forest. Since the first gathering near Strawberry Lake on the Arapaho National Forest in 1972, the incident has taken place on a different national forest each year. Crowds typically range from 2,000 to 10,000 forest visitors. While there have been indications on social media and the web that the group desires to return to the Arapaho National Forest for its 50th anniversary, the specific location and time frame of the National Gathering is not typically revealed to the Forest Service until mid-June when the Rainbow Family holds a Spring Council. The gathering usually coincides with the 4th of July with peak activity in the days immediately before and after the holiday. In response, the USDA Forest Service mobilizes a national incident management team with experience managing these types of incidents. The team works closely with the local community, including law enforcement agencies, throughout the incident to protect the health and safety of everyone involved and to lessen environmental impacts to the site by providing information and enforcing laws. The Forest Service requires a special use permit for every public group of 75 people or more conducting a meeting or event on national forest system lands. The Rainbow Family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings. They claim to have no leaders and no one member of the family who can speak for the group to sign a permit on behalf of the family. The Forest Service has periodically cited Rainbow Family members for failing to obtain a permit. However, in the interest of public health and safety, the Forest Service puts together a resource protection plan including specific design criteria to ensure sensitive resources are protected, environmental damage is minimized, and it stipulates post-event cleanup and rehabilitation of the incident location conducted by the Rainbow Family. An event of this size can have significant impacts on traffic, communities, local resources, residents, and visitors. Local businesses can expect to see large numbers of Rainbow Family participants visiting stores and buying food and supplies along routes to the gathering site. Forest and county roads in the selected area may become congested during the incident, and road closures and or traffic detours may occur on the selected national forest. Contact Public information, questions, and concerns. Email sm.fs.rainbowimt at usda.gov. Phone 970-364-2201. Frequently asked questions. What is the Rainbow Family of Living Light? The Rainbow Family is a loose-knit group of people who gather on national forests to discuss political and environmental issues, pray for world peace, and celebrate life. They describe themselves as having no leaders and no organization. What is the National Gathering? The Rainbow Family holds a national gathering once a year. 
Since 1972, the event has taken place on a different national forest during the July 4th holiday and has fluctuated in size. In recent years, national gatherings have attracted approximately 2,000 to 10,000 people. Local and regional gatherings occur during other times of the year. How does the Rainbow Family decide where to gather? At the end of each annual gathering, members form a vision council which meets to discuss the location of the next year's event. During the following year, a spring council meets to determine the final location of the national gathering. At the 2022 spring council, the Rainbow Family will agree on where the gathering will be held. Final locations have not yet been set. How and when is the specific site selected? During the spring and early summer, Rainbow Family Scouts research and visit areas to find a suitable site according to their standards. Scouts may visit local Forest Service offices requesting information and maps. In mid-June, the Spring Council occurs, often at the location of the annual gathering. The specific place and time is not revealed to the Forest Service until it happens. What resource impacts may occur? Possible resource impacts include compacted soil, water quality degradation, sanitation issues, disturbances to sensitive archaeological sites, disruptions to threatened and endangered plant and animal species, and fire danger. When does the National Gathering begin? Within one week of the Spring Council, about 1,000 to 2,000 attendees arrive on site. The crowd grows, often reaching 2,000 to 10,000 people by July 4th. Once the site is determined, the Rainbow Family uses the internet and other communication methods to let Rainbow Family members know the location and directions to the site. When does the gathering end? The event peaks on July 4th. After that, attendance declines drastically. However, a group of rainbows stay to clean up and rehabilitate the site. Other people may also remain for a couple of weeks. How does a large group, potentially 2,000 to 10,000 people, live in the woods? As soon as Rainbow Family members select a site, they set up a welcome tent, camping and social areas, parking and shuttle areas, healthcare areas, and several outdoor kitchens. They develop water sources and dig trench latrines. There is no fee for attendance, but they collect donations for food and other necessary items for distribution. They designate special areas for group gatherings, families with children, men, women, and party goers, to name a few. Attendees are advised to bring their own camping gear. Family members use campfires exclusively to cook. Did the Rainbow Family get a permit? No. Why is the Forest Service cooperating with an event that doesn't have a permit? The Forest Service requires a special use permit for every group of 75 or more people conducting a meeting or event on National Forest System lands. The Rainbow Family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings since they claim to have no leaders and no one member who can speak for the group or sign a permit on behalf of the family. The Forest Service has periodically cited Rainbow Family members for failing to obtain a permit. However, the agency also works with the family to adhere to a resource protection plan in lieu of a special use permit to protect the health and safety of individuals at the gathering and in the surrounding community to ensure sensitive resources are protected, to minimize any environmental damage, and to coordinate post-event cleanup and rehabilitation of the event site. Why can the Rainbow Family members camp for more than 14 days? Most of our national forests have a 14-day camping limit, including both developed sites, developed campgrounds, and dispersed sites, non-developed campgrounds or sites. 
The majority of participants will not be at the event for more than 14 days. It would be impossible to track thousands of individuals and their stay lengths. What social impacts are expected? The Rainbow Family represents a very diverse group of individuals. As with any large population, a certain percentage of gathering participants can be expected to engage in illegal or socially unacceptable behavior. Some activities may include public nudity, civil disobedience, drug and alcohol abuse, confrontations between rainbows and locals, abandoned or disabled vehicles, and traffic, congestion, and parking for 4,000 to 7,000 vehicles. Can the rainbows use campfires if fire restrictions are in place? The participants must abide by all local, state, and federal laws, including fire restrictions. How does the Forest Service manage this event? The Rocky Mountain region is currently creating a national incident management team. NIMT objectives will include address health and safety risks to the public and participants, minimize environmental impacts with law enforcement presence and action, recognize and mitigate social and political impacts, respect civil rights of all members of the public. Management of the event is being fully integrated with local officials. The incident management team is working in partnership with state, county, and local law enforcement, health, and other organizations. Informational meetings involving the NIMT, the Forest Service, federal, state, and local agencies and entities will occur as needed. Where possible, the local forest also assists Rainbow members in locating potentially suitable sites for their gatherings before they occur. Is Resource Protection Plan in place? A Resource Protection Plan is currently being issued with the following primary goals. Protecting public health and safety, minimizing resource impacts and leaving the site at or near pre-gathering conditions, reducing effects on and disruption to local communities, adjacent landowners, and other special use permittees. Issues addressed in the Resource Protection Plan include designating parking areas to facilitate traffic flow, locating camps, kitchens, and slit trenches away from water sources, removing trash, and rehabilitating the site after the gathering. Who will rehabilitate the area after the gathering? The Rainbow Family is responsible for site rehabilitation. Guidelines are outlined in, the, outlined in the Resource Protection Plan. At past events, many individuals have stayed to assist in site cleanup and have paid for trash disposal with a local vendor. Forest Service officials anticipate this will occur again this year. What role does the state and county play in this event? Event management is being fully integrated with local officials, including all tribal, federal, state, county, and local law enforcement agencies, as well as emergency service organizations, public health departments, and social services. Are special closure orders in effect? The forest may issue special closure orders to protect the health and safety of visitors and or natural resources that could be impacted by the incident. Will the area be open to the public? Yes. However, all National Forest visitors must obey federal, state, and local laws and regulations. The Forest Service takes the enforcement of these laws very seriously. The gathering may impact the community, neighbors, and other forest visitors. The Forest Service will work hard to minimize any negative effects to local communities and the environment. Does the Forest Service test the water? The Forest Service does conduct water quality testing as part of the regular monitoring procedures. If during those tests the data indicates there is a problem, the appropriate health departments will be contacted. What makes the Forest Service think the event may occur in Colorado or Grand County? 
The Rainbow Family held its first gathering 50 years ago at Strawberry Lake on the Arapaho National Forest. The Forest Service is aware, based on information posted on various websites and social media used by Rainbow Family members, that the 2022 National Rainbow Family Gathering could occur in Colorado, possibly on the Arapaho National Forest, in recognition of the 50th anniversary. The specific site or time frame is typically not known until the group holds its spring council in June. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman And all the movies we have to watch are Michael's Most every single movie we watch are Michael's There are many movies that I would like to watch But I can't cause we gotta watch Michael's <laughs> But maybe This movie's gonna be the one to save me Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am good, Carl. Uh, it's exciting to be back on Mutiny Radio as we are every Sunday. That's mutinyradio.fm. You can find it on the internet. You can stream it. I stream it on my podcast app. I have to, it's a .m3u file, uh -huh. but I type it in and I can listen to Mutiny Radio on the go. So uh, we're on the go every Sunday at 2 p.m. We follow what's really happening with Luke. I hope it was a good show, Luke. Uh, and we hope you are listening every Sunday with us. If you don't have time, follow our podcast by our acronym, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Carl is also... The mastermind behind our theme song, the mastermind behind research, and the mastermind behind our YouTube channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. It's the same podcast episode, but with the movie attached. What movie? Let us watch a full-length movie on YouTube. That's our what we do every week. Carl, what is the movie this week? This week, we will watch Wonderwall 1968. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. Wonderwall. One word. One. I wonder why. It's Wonderwall 1968. And the channel we like is Flick Vault. Oh, I like Fuck Vault. Oh, mm -hmm. no, it's capital L, capital I. Flick Vault. Flick yeah, Vault. Flick Vault. If you haven't subscribed to Flick Vault, subscribe to Flick Vault. <laughs> uh, there's so much stuff on Flick Vault. And yeah. so we're very excited to find Wonderwall. So go ahead. As Carl says, type in Wonderwall. 1968 find the version i found it after three from film vault they're hosting it hit play hit pause no click the link 
and then hit pause. There's no play button yet. When we say go, then you hit play. Now, that's a lot of information to digest. Don't play so, with me. Don't play with me. We want you to also donate to mutinyradio.fm. We have a Patreon page. We have a uh, Venmo page. And there's a third page, too. Whatever. Just send us some money at the mutinyradio.fm. You can even mail a check. Uh, they'll do it. No, don't mail a check. It's right. crazy. I mail do. It still hasn't of- been cashed. I sent yeah. our rent in. It still is not cashed. What was Don't it? 2019. You still, guys, you still haven't cashed that check from 2019. It's gone. It's stale. Well, I guess we're unaccountable for October 2019. All right. <laughs> well, all this great banter is going to be coming up shortly. We're also very excited because Carl is hosting a celebrity comedian countdown. Our countdown is going to be given by none other than a celebrity comedian. I have not heard this recording, but it's one of the many things producer Carl, producer Carl, Carl produces uh, here. Let's take it away, Carl, producer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Keith Howe. Welcome, Keith. Oh, thank you, thank you. Now, my name is Carl and I don't have a last name, but if I did, it would be helped, and that means that I'm your father. It's true, yeah. Now, I want to start out, you know what movie we're watching today, and that's the reason I asked you to be Mm -hmm. on the podcast and do our countdown. Now, the Beatles broke up in 1970, right? Here we're sitting Mm -hmm. in 2022, so that's 52 years ago, right? Long time. Yeah, so how is it you can be a Beatles fan and even (laughs) a George Harrison fan? Well, I think it's really you. I grew up with you in my ear. You gave me, uh, I remember for one of my birthdays, you gave me a little red iPod and it had the majority of the Beatles music. Yeah, right. And that kind of started my kick. And, you know, it's modern day. There's there's uh, streaming app music. I have Apple Music. I have access to everyone's discography. It's very easy. Now, Apple Music is not the Beatles app. No, no, different Apple. <laughs> now, um, there was, it wasn't Guitar Hero, it was the competitor, but they had the Beatles edition. the Beatles rock band. Yeah. Now, that also, it did help launch my Beatles. Yeah. The thing is that, like, Mania. if I had come to you boys and been like, hey, I love this band, I don't know, I think you would have rejected it, right? But I think you guys fell in love on your own with mm-hmm. this Guitar Hero game. Did I give you the flash drive after? It must, it must have been. Yeah. It must have been after you. Yeah. So, so, so it was me. I put it in your, yeah. I mean, first you discovered it on your own with the game. And then well, I, may, I don't know. Maybe you like uh, put that in our pocket. Now, why George Harrison? I mean, there were, you know, John and Paul. Uh, there are artists. There, you know, George was the third wheel. John has problems, you know, Paul's, Paul's preppy of Blackbird, you know, <laughs> I think I just enjoyed George's music the most, it felt the most heartfelt, I kind of, mm-hmm. his spirituality is a lot, it's very interesting, and John and Paul and Ringo didn't really get into that as much as him. Right. He played sitar. Yeah, they did follow the Maharishi, right, for they a did. time. George latched on. Yeah. So, did, had, did you always like the sitar music, the Indian-sounding music? I do enjoy it. A lot. From the yeah. Beatles days? From, or? Yeah, from the Beatles. Okay, now, you got into uh, George Harrison's solo records, mm-hmm. and one of them was All Things Must Pass. It's one of his best. And that was a, a triple, 
triple album. Yeah, well, it was right after uh, the Beatles had broken up. He had a lot of songs that the Beatles wouldn't put on his album, so right. he's, he's tired of giving them to people. Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix made his own. Now, you received from your girlfriend a present. <laughs> it was the did, three... Yeah. Tell us about that. Uh, well, recently it was the 50th anniversary of uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass, so that really dates it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a triple, what, triple album is what you call it, so there's three vinyls, and it came with a poster, and uh, a lot of uh, covers for the albums, and uh, a shirt came with it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it was a present from It was a present from my girlfriend, so I guess that shows how, how much I like this George Harrison. But... You oh, but I had already owned it. <laughs> you already owned the record. Now, did you tell your girlfriend? No, no, I didn't. This is a good boyfriend right here. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you. You didn't go, oh, I already have this. Well, it, it benefit you as well. It's a, now you got an album in your pocket. Yes, actually. So, therefore, my son gave it to me. And I've been spinning those gave tracks. The old one. Yeah, <laughs> not the new one. Of course, I understand. Um, okay, so did you, you've seen this film in preparation for this, did you like the, um, the music? Music was, it kind of outshined the movie. Music opinion. outshined the movie? Yeah, well, it's, it's not exactly traditional, but it's enjoyable, I think. Uh, I think his playing and learning in India was eventful. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike Spiegelman could not stand the music. Really? Isn't he wrong? He is wrong. <laughs> okay. Also, there were some things recorded in London with the Remio mm. 4, which was really Ringo and Eric Clapton. Mm. And this stuff was the rock stuff. And I think that you appreciate one of those songs. Um, yeah. Well, uh, what was it? Oh, it's uh, During the please. Skiing, right? During the Skiing, yeah. That... I enjoyed that song a lot. It was uh, featured in a documentary on George Harrison, um, Living in the Material World. Right. Um, so that's where I was introduced to the song, and that was kind of in my head. And then I watched the movie, and I was like, hey, there it is. Yeah. So, and, and what about, you can hear the distinct Ringo style. Yeah, well, he's, instead of like this, he's like this. So you can hear it. It's different. Because he's left-handed, but he's playing right-handed. Mm -hmm. And that, like... This weird lag is just a little behind, but it's a microsecond, right? It really it does add to it. Yeah. Okay, so also, um, you've seen the movie, and did you enjoy the movie itself? I did enjoy the movie. It is very old. Um, I guess that's kind of the point of the show, right? Uh, I did have a couple questions about it. Yeah, go ahead. Like the apples. I, I, I didn't understand. Yeah, okay. So in my research for the film, they made it very clear, the director made it very clear, there had nothing to do with Apple Records. It no. was just a coincidence. Did they make the movie before he made the soundtrack? Because they were going to get the, the Bee Gees, right? They were going to get the Bee Gees. Uh, I don't know... I don't... I don't know the order in which things happened. Of course, we do know all the dates. Mm -hmm. So I could probably figure it out. But, um, let's see, it was recorded in Bombay in January of 68, London in December oh. of 67. Yeah, that's when the Bee Gees dropped out, 67. Right? Okay, so probably he did not have the music before. 
Uh, he he probably filmed it not knowing what he was going to get from George Harrison. One of the things he did not get from George Harrison was the one in which George Harrison sang. Yeah, like uh, I guess George just didn't think he would have wanted lyrics on his right. It's a music soundtrack. But, I mean, the guy making the movie must have been pissed because this is a Beatle. Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, yeah, well, not like pissed, a missed like, opportunity. Yeah, missed opportunity. But he didn't miss the opportunity. Director's cut. Right, the director's cut. So after Wonderwall popular after Oasis popularized the term Wonderwall because of mm -hmm. their song, he got the opportunity to make a director's cut, and uh, George found all of the old original tapes to remaster for the... Yeah, and this song came up and it ended up in there. Now, there was also a song recorded... Um, what was it called? It's the B-side of Lady Madonna. Inner Light. The Inner Light, right. I love that one. It's a good one, right? So I don't know why that didn't make it into the film, but it did make it into the B-side of uh, Lady Madonna. So so it's not... Okay, you had questions about the movie besides the apple. Um, it was a little confusing. The ending. Yeah. I, maybe it was just a, a directorial choice to have mm -hmm. the lady turn into stars or something. Yeah. Maybe it was, it was just like a way to end the movie. Right. Um, I don't know that I should spoil it, although if people watch this show, oh, they know I spoil me. things all the time. Yeah, yeah. The movie kind of didn't end right, and I'm sure we're going to cover that during the podcast. The movie, I mean, he kind of, he kind of, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he returns to his normal life. You would think after that experience, mm -hmm. something new would happen with him, you know, and no. Um, I think I, maybe I mentioned something, yeah. Uh, no, we talked about the ending, how it ended a little weird. We talked about the apple. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing was, like, it's a little creepy how he spied on them and broke yeah. in. Maybe that was just part of the... It's surrealism. It's not, like, a real story. So I, I can kind of understand and accept that. But the, the guy's a pervert. Mm -hmm. He's like Wonderwall, the name of the movie. He stares through a hole in the wall at naked women. The majority of the movie is naked women. Uh, well, I mean, isn't he seeing a photo, sh photo shoots? I mean, isn't yeah. he, is, doesn't he represent the straight life? Mm -hmm. And then through the wall, he saw the hippie life, the psychedelic life. Something different. And. Kind of the, the awakening in the 60s. Right. I mean, he didn't do anything perverted on his side of the no. wall. He was just watching. He did see her in various states of undress. <laughs> But I don't think that his primary he fell in love with the idea of different. Yeah, than more before. than he wasn't just creeping on a woman, right? He was creeping on the idea of of uh, yeah spirituality. Maybe I don't know. Different now, something he, different, not regular. He saved her. He did. He saved her life. Scream. Oh. Yeah, very terribly, right? Very terrible. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to see this movie in a minute anyway. and uh, <laughs> That won't spoil the experience for you, even though no. you kind of know what's happening. It, this, 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 uh, listen, I'll spoil movies all the time. By the way, in the end of Titanic, the ship <laughs> sinks. It goes down. 
Okay. Keith. Yes. Everyone at home is poised to watch this movie at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. That means they must press play at the exact same moment. And that is why you have been employed to be our celebrity counter. Countdown. So how about you go ahead, Keith, and give us that celebrity countdown. All right, well, thanks for having me. Here we are. Three, two, one, go. All right. Fuck vaults. Vaults. Fuck vaults. Fuck vaults. Ooh. Now, that was a good celebrity comedian count. Oh, I have to say that was a terrific celebrity comedian. Who, it, uh, I, I hope you guys can my son. Interesting. <laughs> All right. A hippie, right? This is 1968. Right. So British. What are looking at. We are looking at life itself, Carl. No, it's uh, it's a smudge on the projector from 1968. <laughs> can I can I hit pause? Mute. Uh, no. No. Well, don't hit pause. Oh, you mean mute? Yeah. Go ahead if you want. Oh, I will. Okay, so. <laughs> No, I mean, listen, uh, you mute whenever you want, but like there's some interesting music and there's some places where you're going to want to Yo, hear. just let me know. I'm I'm Johnny on the draw. I got my remote control here at the wall studio. Wall. I will be jo Oh, whoa. Whoa. Okay, now there's some amoebas. That reminds me of a joke. These <laughs> two amoebas were on a toilet seat, but one got pissed off. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really it. Could be anything. I, I heard that joke as an ant. Oh, Introducing the Fool. Yeah, that's a Dutch collective. They did a lot of the art direction, the sets. They were always working for the Beatles. Like, what What would I recognize as a... Uh, a fool? A, which one? What would you recognize as the yeah, Fool collective's like, work? Um, yeah. Beatles-wise. Well, the, the inner sleeve for Sgt. Pepper. Designs oh. for the short-lived Apple Boutique in London's Baker Street. Um, the Apple Building itself. John Lennon's Rolls Royce and George Harrison's Mini Coopers. Which are both oh. iconic. They're crazy cars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know the inner sleeve of Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. That's pretty. So this is probably their initial and maybe their only forte into a movie. I would doubt it. I, I didn't look them up that much. I just know... Decor, the title card, yeah, uh, the um, uh, set designing. A lot of this, the look of this feel, a uh, look and feel of the apartment that we're going to be peering into, uh, was all done by the fool. And they even put Mae West and Greta Garbo on the wall. You'll see. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to it. I do. Do you feel like watching a movie? It's exciting to see, like. A set design, cool, a cool set design. Yeah, I mean, okay, this is what we're looking at. Right. This is Professor Oscar Collins. Now, why is he called a professor when he doesn't profess? He is working in a lab. But well, he, he has a desk job, you know why? Because he, he shot around off in class, and they uh, <laughs> they said, that's it. You're out of control, Professor. <laughs> Give me Colin, your gun. You cannot just pop a clap in the ass of a kid here. You got you're gonna be working the desk for six weeks. 
So is all there... we're learning right now, I mean, this guy's doing his best Einstein impression, and he just came out of a movie called the, it was by Roman Polanski called The Vampire Killers, in which he played this eccentric I... professor. That's so... the only Polanski movie I've seen twice, like, or three times. I've seen that movie like three times. It's 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 impeccable. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's good. It's like a pop Do you recommend movie. I see it? Yeah. Do you like uh, Harvey Kurtzman cartoons in National Lamp and uh, Playboy magazine in the 1950s? I Remember? guess so. We're Do you like little Annie Fanny? Killers? Yeah, it has this like cool Playboy comic magazine, like, okay, uh, you know, like style to it. I don't know. It's weird. It's very pop culture. It's good. I'll put it in my queue. But yeah, but also he's a he's an awful person, and you should not support his art. Okay. There's other things you could watch. Take it off your queue. Wait, oh, wait. what? <laughs> no, no. This bitch made this for me. I'm going to uh, watch it. I don't care what he did. I will watch the movie al only. All right. Yeah. That's the only movie I've really seen of his. Like, I've seen a couple other of his films, and I stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they mentioned in the credits, music is by George Harrison M.B.E. Uh, did That's you notice his, that? He's the knighted. By the queen. Do you have to put that in your movie credit? Like, if you get knighted by the queen, you have to say, It is Carl. pretty beauty. Okay, so Here's... all we've learned is he's an absent-minded professor. He had a to-do list, which included giving cheese to the mice. We're basically learning his routine as a stodgy... This is his routine to leave every day. He checks the gauges. Uh-huh. I don't know. Why? What does absent-minded mean? Means you're like forgetful. A real, I don't think so. Why not? I think it's a slur. I think it's saying like, you know, this guy is. There's something else going on, and people are just kind of putting him down. No, absent-minded literally means you're forgetful. Okay. And and but why the, are always professors absent-minded? No, it was all popularized by Einstein. You see, Einstein was a genius, but yet he would do all these stupid fuck-ups, you know? So he was the absent-minded professor. And when he got big in the 50s, that would be like Albert Einstein, the absent-minded professor. That's how that thing got <laughs> into our nomenclature, if that's the right word. Totally. Oh, I want an elevator like that. You go down in an elevator where you can't even fit in. Right, you could totally pinch your fingers in the sliding thing. Yeah, right. Oh, totally. Like, let's say, let's say you do stick your dick in there. Do you think it would probably? <laughs> and that's why they kicked me out of the building. <laughs> I don't blame them. I'd kick me out too. Okay, now this is a little funny. He opens his umbrella to get his key to the door. Well, he's quirky and he's a weirdo. And okay. we're about to enter an episode of Hoarders. Now, this is designed by the fool, his house. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure about that, Mike. Uh, I don't know that. Uh... Okay. No, it's all right. It's just... decorated in pre-Raphaite Gothic tones, kind of images of kings and queens in a fairy tale poem, most hidden behind piles of piles of papers. So, like... Dark green walls with Victorian murals. I don't think the fool did this side. Oh, whoa. That's very religious. He's praying. Um, it's supposed to contrast with, like, all the psychedelia next door, I guess. Uh, like, he's the... Oh, Now, watch. This is, like, one of his absent-minded professor moves, right? He's 
getting, he's relaxing his feet. Out. Yeah, man. But he left his socks on, you silly, absent-minded professor. Oh, I forgot to take my socks off on pouring boiling water <laughs> on my feet. <laughs> Why are my feet not scolded? Oh, right, I have socks. <laughs> and it sort of looks just like wop, 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 wah, you know. It's cool. George Harrison, so it's like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. So because he's a workaholic and a professor, he's looking at a microscope at home, but there's this racket next door. Uh-huh, like music racket or like a yeah. tennis racket? Go ahead, give it a listen. Okay. Oh, shit. I'm not prepared. You think Genie would come out of the bottle by this point? <laughs> you, you've quit on it? You've quit yeah, on I it? guess I have. Right. I'm going to be the most hated person. All right, you can quit on it. Listen, we'll listen to the real soundtrack for this film. Sure. Well, that's it. I told them. I knocked on the door, on the wall. Uh, uh. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I love this music. <laughs> You know, I you just wall. Well, you know, I mean, that's uh, the word I was on the street. Oh no, that's backbeat. Backbeat. I, hate I wish that. you. Okay, so he's yeah. in frustration. He throws an alarm clock, and all he ends up doing is knocking over his nice butterflies. He also oh. learned how time flies. Right. Exactly. Time, yeah. Later, he will like making fun of the cleaning lady, referring to it as my time machine. But oh, he mocks the, the cleaning lady? Later on, he will, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah, is he canceled, Mike? Oh, no, I don't know. I haven't seen this movie yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he is about to discover Camera Obscura. Camera from, Obscura? Coming from, you know what that is, right? You've heard of it? Yeah, I've, there's one in San Francisco, this famous camera obscura right mm -hmm. by the, the ocean, by the cliff house. Have and you been? Several times. Yeah, man, it's fucking. So you walk it, you pay. They have a little booth, right? We get a yeah. ticket. And it's right at the cliffs, right? It's at the cliff house. And you mm -hmm. can hear the splash and you can see like there's a little seal mountain or what have you. And you go inside and it's pitch dark, except for some notes about the history of the camera obscura. And you go in, and there's a pinpoint on the on the roof, right. right? Everything's black except for this one white pin roof. And then right below the pinpoint is this, like, I don't know, like a contact lens, like, but big, like a big ball. Yeah. Like you, yeah. But there's no punch in it. But what it does <laughs> is that you can see the reflection, and so you can see the entire, like, uh, ocean outside. Right. You know? And yeah. They put it on the floor so that it doesn't appear to you upside down. You see, Camera Obscura comes out upside down. So that's why, like, um, they would, when it was discovered in, I don't know, Arabia, it was discovered in the Middle East, and they would do it in the desert in a tent. And it would always be upside down on the other side of the wall. 
These guys were smart enough to put it at the top. So now he has found the hole which Camera Obscura came through, and he's peeping. That's his wonder wall. Right. That is going to become his wonder wall. Absolutely. Now, is his wonder wall because he can just look directly at her or because it also produces this Camera Obscura? No, you see, that's the thing I think it's weak about the film. The Camera Obscura will now go away, and it'll just be peeping. I think it would be so much better if he was doing the same thing he does in the film, but he's got a bunch of camera obscuras, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. He would be upside down so he could see everything properly. But no, he's going to have a Wonder Wall, a Peeping Tom Wonder Wall. Have you ever heard the story of this movie called Peeping Tom? No. All right. So this is like a 1960s film, right? It's 66, maybe. And it has like this glorious, like, it's British. It has like uh, it's basically about a guy who photographs. Uh, he has a camera, right? And he stabs women. He has like a knife in his tripod, right? And he also records, films them as they die, and they see a reflection of them. Oh. And then he goes and he watches it and he jerks off to it. No, like he has a projector. I'm not seeing this film. So no, but this film was produced by. Oh, go ahead, Carl. No, I was just noticing some of the moths and butterflies fly away. Now, you know that thing couldn't be, they wouldn't be alive in there. Maybe from the... Um, they would not be animated either. Yeah, you see the cartoon? This is the only uh-huh. time you'll see it, too. Oh, and George Harrison is noodling away. Noodling, but I like this butter butterfly. Uh, so anyway, there's a movie called Peeping Tom. Yeah. Right? So he, he steps, and it was, uh, and at the end, he dies, and he gets killed, and he sees his own reflection. But... Okay. Uh, that's it, just this, I guess. It, it was produced, written, and uh, directed by these guys who made the red shoes about a ballerina. A beautiful film where her shoes won't force her to dance. And also this like British war movies. Ooh, it ruined their career. This mm. is like a big like kiss me stupid deadly uh, stupid bad film. Right, right. That like right. threw everyone off. It was like psychoishly like graphic and just kind of thing. But it's about voyeurism and mm. movies. And so to have a camera obscura in there, you would figure they would do a little, like, indict the audience and saying, this is what you guys are paying to see, you know, a reflection of a girl off the wall. Uh, you know, uh, you can focus on the girl if you want, but but what he's going to see in there is really the world of the 60s. He's going to see, it's basically a, a, a photographer's studio, okay? And they're gonna, he's going to be watching photo shoots that they're doing. Uh, okay, this doesn't get, argue very well for it because right now he is absolutely a hundred percent a peeping tom, and it is about him like being, you know, he falls in love with her, I think, or he falls obsessed with her. Yeah. But all, all I'm trying to say is he's not like a a pervert peeping Tom in this movie. It's more like he's looking into a world he can't be in and he sees a woman who's hurt in it and he wants to rescue her. That's what's going to happen. Gotcha. <laughs> he's never going to jerk off. Won't even cross his mind. Oh, so it isn't like the Psycho remakes with Vince Vaughn where he's like looking at the people where he's jerking off. No. N- Norman Bates is not going to masturbate. That is correct. Right? He, oh. He's trying to like deal with, uh, I don't know. It's kind of well written. This thing. Um, here. Oh, I love this song. Are you kidding, Wonderwall? Yeah. 
would like to say to you, but I don't know how. You're doing everything to get this video blocked on YouTube this week. <laughs> so what he's doing is now improving the hole so that he can see better. Now look at this. What is she? Is it nitrous? I don't know. She was reading comic books before, and now she's doing whippets. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the 60s in London was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. He's perfecting the whole. Now, we're about to see the only time that he's shamed for, like, being a peeping Tom. And it's an interesting, weird little section. It's coming up. Oh. Now, all she's doing is sort of primping and preening in the mirror. And it's... we're still at the stage in which it's really about the girl, not the photo shoots. Right. Is she going to note it? Like, I'm trying to look at the mirror to see if I could see the hole where he's peeping at. Okay. Like, he's the hole by the red tinsel or what have you? Uh -oh. comes like his mom or the ghost of his mom from the meat locker. James, see her, see her wagging her finger. Yeah. Good. I'm glad there's some decency in this movie. Thank right? you, ghost mom. Without yeah. time. Cause. All right. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna see you. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. No, 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 that's right. Ready? Today's gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it uh, back at you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. Carl doesn't believe in anybody the way I do. About you now. All right. Hey, I know the first. And then somebody once told me the Your world is gonna roll me. See, it wasn't his mom at all. See? Oh. Ghost mom. Our blinding. They must have Oasis. Oasis must have taken their the title from this uh, movie, right? They George did. Harrison. They did, they but did. they didn't know anything about it. Maybe well, they know. You're gonna be the one that saves me. Maybe you could have ladle some gravy. <laughs> and they ladle some gravy. Are you an asshole? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that car is so 86. You know, I drove that car in there and the yeah. bartender says, get that, that car is 86. <laughs> that car is 86. It's 66. This is our bad guy. Okay. Oh, he is finally. the boyfriend. He is the love interest. He is the model. He's not the mo our love interest. He's loving the model's love interest. interest. Yeah. Looks like Roger Daltrey right now. Yeah. That was a lime car. That's why you know he's a villain. And Ronnie Spector appears to be the photographer. 
Yeah, matches his car, matches uh, his suit. Now, this guy's really from Canada, and he has a fake Liverpool accent, which is kind of good. Oh, the did I say it right? You let me know. I, I got the control. I got the uh, studio controller right here in my hand. Yeah, we won't hear his. Uh, we'll turn it up another time for his accent because there's not a lot here. Now, look, the professor's so shocked by them, he follows them to their door. 17. Oh, yeah. excuse me. He's a nutty professor. Right. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, yeah. It's even the professor freaked out. Mm hmm. Jaw drop. Yeah. Look at those newspapers. That's good, man. In case you need to. to now know. he says to himself, it's time to spy. Oh, and this here comes the plot. Well, he's lured to spy, really. You know what I mean? He opens the door and boom. He's like obsessed. Sure. He, it's starting. It's starting now. He comes home from work and it's time to get spying. Yeah, that's good. Most people waste their time watching television. Telly. <laughs> I get laid on some gravy. Because maybe I'm gonna ladle some gravy. And after all, these guys never even saw this film. You know what the problem about this scene? It's too brief. <laughs> This is really dumb. We're going to watch Knees for a little while. Why don't oh, you yeah? listen to the music so you can see what's going on? Just a, a second so you can talk. Noodle, 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 noodle. Here you go. Oh, not since, right. the, not since watching aerobics videos in the 80s have I been so attracted. <laughs> yeah, Jane Fonda. Yeah. Me the one is on the train that the fire in your heart is out. I'm sure you heard it all before, but you never really had a doubt. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. About your balls. Oh, it's the avocado lady. No, it's the lime lady. <laughs> Wow, a lot of limes in this. Well, this is a character actress. She was in a lot of things, but you got to be English to know him. Right. Oh, she was on EastEnders, huh? Yeah, like EastEnders. that. Yeah. Her name's Irie Handel, and it's weird. It's H-A-N-D-L. No vowel in there. Oh, all right. I oh, can I... this stuff, but you'd never know it. Wait, you saw the original Italian job. She was Miss Peach in that. I did. Was she friends with Benny Hill? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. He was Sherlock Holmes' housekeeper, Mrs. Hudson in the private life of Sherlock Holmes. Did a terrible it. job. Needles everywhere. <laughs> ah, there's all these. Th oh, once she was with Peter Sellers. Again, again, you probably won't know the film. No, tell me the, the film. The wife of the union activist, Fred Kite, played by Peter Sellers in I'm All Right, Jack, 1959. Famous movie. I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Should I put it in my queue? I'll I've never it. seen it. 
I don't know. Do you have patience to watch British Peter Sellers movies from the fifties? Yes. Yes. What's the mouse that roared? Much better. Yeah. What? The mouse that roared. Okay. Oh, do you ever see uh, no. Lady Killers? Yeah. Roared. Is that the one in which he's a famous cook on TV? Yeah, I saw that. Oh no, no, it's a different movie. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, so now the cleaning lady shows up, and you know what this means, man? He can't spy. He can't spy. Well, she's going to bend over and stuff so he can look at her butt. Uh, no, he's not a peeping Tom. He's interested. Did you see how he met the two? Like, he thinks they're weird or something. His jaw's dropping. He follows them. Yeah. Now, go ahead. Put on the accent. Uh, put on the sound so you can hear her accent for a second. Don't you worry. They all flew away, free as a feather. She's bemoaning the broken butterflies thing. Go ahead, put it on, put it on. I have have it. It's cranking. He's reading a magazine. Oh, yeah, you can't hear that. You know, when when you read comics, do you read the thought bubbles? No, no, it's none of my business. That's that's right. Respect to comics privacy. Yeah. I mean, let Batman be Batman. Okay, mute again. I just wanted to hear. She had that, like... Oh, governor, kind of cockney accent. It was kind of neat. So he thinks the coast is clear and he's going to spy again until she starts vacuuming. And they call it hoovering. It's pretty funny. Yeah. That's named after the Hoover vacuum cleaner. No, the dam. Isn't it named after the dam? That was a brand, a British brand of uh, vacuum cleaners from Hoover. They're the Kleenex of a... (laughs) <laughs> I don't. All right, this is our bad guy, but we don't know he's bad yet. And he's pretending to ski. Yeah, it's just a yeah. photo shoot. He's like, what is going on? Oh, this is for like chewing gum. Right, right. Winter fresh, winter green, double mint gum. Wow. Here, let me turn the sound up over here because you're not doing it. Oh, I... And after all, you're my oh, I'll turn that off, man. Metal machine, music. Metal machine music by Lou Reed is more enjoyable. You see the light meter. Yeah. So that's the only way we're going to know it's like a photo shoot for the whole rest of the film. No, when she was lying naked with her butt showing, there was obviously a light in there somewhere. I believe. I don't know. I wasn't. <laughs> I had to rewatch it. Uh-huh. I watched that scene eight times. I'm doing my research. Yeah. Oh, there's a, uh, have you ever heard of a streaming service called Awesome. I I mentioned it on the show. I saw that and I watched it in prison. Well, Boston has a uh, a three and a half hour movie called Celebrity Skin, where they show nothing but the uh, R rated scenes from like European movies from the seventies and eighties. Uh huh. And it's three and a half hours. And I left. I you know I watched about a couple twenty minutes and I said okay great. And I went back to the TV set and I turned on the TV. It was still streaming. <laughs> and I was like, it was like two in the hour fifty mark, and it got up. Oh to, my god! It was showing uh, the scene of Julie Andrews in uh, SOB. SOB, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
poultry. But it looks like pig, like a pig snout. This yeah, like, that's yeah. right. I, I totally agree with you. And you see the ears? I have that yeah. written down here to ask your opinion. Oh, yeah, totally. Because also the sunglasses did not cover her eyes at all. It's such a crazy thing. Oh, you know, here comes the Hoover. Yeah. Now, look, it's a funny thing they do in the film. You just hear he he's you're going to see subtitles because you right. can't hear them. Let's hear that. Did you we have we ever watched Magic Christian together? I've, no, but I saw the film. It's a great film. Uh, it's a weird film. It was great to see Ringo. Yeah. Do you feel that this movie has the same vibe? Like it's just this weird comedy sick no, comedy piece? No. Listen, that movie, you start at the beginning, they're on the train, right? And he drops them all off. And he he gives them all maps. Do you remember that? Yeah, so then, yeah. So then it moves on to the next scene and it moves on to the next scene. You see, I thought we were learning our lead characters and we we're going to watch a movie. No, the magic Christian just changes scenes. They're like little sketches, you know, it doesn't really have a story or a plot. It doesn't explain why he adapted Ringo. It wasn't, right. a, it wasn't, it was a, this thing is a movie. This thing's got a story and it's all figured out. It's got a beginning. Oh, go ahead. Listen to her accent now. Oh dear, I don't think I've got any change. Oh, that's all right. I've got any change. Thank you very much, sir. Sorry about the change. That's good. That's good. Thank you very much, sir. Sorry about the change. The change. <laughs> oh, there she is again. Daughter, Mrs. Daughter, I'm not even married to you. Oh. Listen, listen. Oh, well, we should all be married sooner or later, Mrs. Daughter. Yeah, says you, says you, Governor. We'll all be married sooner or later. Yeah, says you. How old are they supposed to be? I guess he's, he's, he is in his 50s in real life in this. Ah. Oh, he's, okay, we'll listen to the song. Why do you have to be so rude? Good night to say to you, but I don't know how. Gonna marry her anyway. Gonna marry that girl. Marry her anyway. Marry her anyway. Oh, look, breaking news. Why you gotta be so rude? Don't you know I'm human too? Why you gotta be so rude? I'm gonna bury her anyway. Bury, bury that, that girl. girl. Bury that girl. Gonna no bury that girl. Say. No matter what you say. In my backyard. Okay, yes. now, this is a very famous mural he's taking down off the wall. This is going to now become his wonder wall. We'll never, you're just sort of in, to infer that right. uh, from the title. Right. The painting on the professor's side of the Wonder Wall is a colorization of The Passing of Arthur, black and white illustration by Florence Harrison from the Alfred Lord Tennyson, Guinevere, and other poems. You know, I knew he was going to tear down this. You know why? Mm -mm. Because after all, it's a Wonder Wall. Bingo. Now, you see the quote on the wall. That's yeah. also Tennyson. It's actually, there's two different artists, but 
But I guess somebody was an Alfred Lord Tennyson fan. Sure, like nobody. <laughs> what? Are you a Tennyson fan? Uh, listen, uh, nobody gives a shit about poetry. That's just our world. I'm sorry. It That's wasn't like that hundred. I walk up to people all the time and I say, Tennyson, anyone? <laughs> anyone up for some Tennyson? I, I go, I was with my wife. It's like, ouch, that doth hurt. Ouch, that doth hurt. She goes, what do you have, Tennyson elbow? <laughs> okay, uh. so he is now making peeping tom holes oh good rick sized ones and for some reason they never notice holes in their walls on the other side well i mean he lives in such a weird apartment and god knows what the full apartment looks like over there like he only sees bits and pieces right like moss but he will find out what the wall over there is 50 bucks if you see a fire extinguisher Wish you would step out from that ledge, my friend. Cut ties with all the lies that we've been living in. Somebody was told me. Anybody. This is cute and funny, but it's too much for us to digest. I w I'm not going to tell you to turn up the sound because. Okay, eat the fleas. Well, look at that. That's symbolic. It's he ate an apple, like Apple Records, and then he threw it on the ground, like the, the way they treated Badfinger. That's the way they treated Badfinger, Apple no, Records. No, no, no. They interviewed the director writers here, and that was not I mean, they, they, I'm sorry, they interviewed the director, and yeah. that is not the case. It is not a reference to Apple Records. You see, they didn't this wasn't about the Beatles. He just he got George, first he tried to get the Bee Gees to do it, but they were unavailable. So yeah. then he turned to Harrison. You see, they all hung out together in like the club circuit at that time. This director was like a Cuban expatriate. He fought in the Cuban revolution. Uh, he he came with the guy who wrote it. Like they, um, when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, they fled Cuba. I don't know the details. Were they really on a raft or something? Okay, here's the first time we see bad guy in and girl interact right. and you see how she's he spun away from her and look how hurt penny is now you say penny because god forbid it's true right her name is penny lane yeah and i just told you this wasn't about the beatles and yes her name is penny lane but is penny lane a reference that the beatles took do you know yeah. anyone no, no 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 Penny Lane was a real place in Paul McCartney's childhood, and he wrote a song about it, and he probably did it because of Strawberry Fields. But Penny Lane is an a it's a it's a it's a road. In, okay. Um, but it's like saying my name is Beverly Center. There must be like people in England who like make a joke about it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, my name is Penny hey, Lane. My name's Piccadilly Circus. Why is everybody laughing? That's right. But it's probably the Beatles, though. We have George Harrison playing the music. You know, a little trivia about the music. The, everyone in the studio had left at this point. <laughs> this was, um, this music was made half in London and half in uh, India. And it was... Uh, Ravi Shankar's uh let me let me look it up. Let me look it up here. Sure. Yeah. 
Don't mind me. Uh, Bombay, January 68, um, EMI Recording Studio. And it was friends of Ravi Shankar who were helping. And in England, there was a place in December of 67, they recorded at Delane Leah Studios. There was a band called the Remy, Remo Four. They were like popular at the time. They were only popular in England. They were from Liverpool. They were about to break up. So he got them and, uh, and Ringo Starr playing the drums on some of it and Eric Clapton on the guitar on some of it um, and recorded that in London. So then he went to uh, the name of that. They, they shot some of Let It Be There and we saw that movie with um, – Bugsy, Bugsy Malone. Bugsy. Oh yeah, the Bugsy the skid uh, version. Yeah, yeah. Twickham Studios. He 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 projected it on the wall and matched up the timing wow. to what he was watching. He did he did a very studious job, a good job. So I love this photographer. Like he's committed to the lime suit and the lime car. Like mm -hmm. so, he's never going to not wear it. I guess. And Let's it's going to fit the 